And joining me right now is Mr. Marshall Masters. How are you, sir? I'm great, Michael. You know, this morning got up, usual morning. Work, work, work. Get up, work, work, work. Look at the calendar and I'm going, whoa, I'm on with Mike today. Hey, it's a fun day. Cool. (laughs) Very nice. Yes, that's how a lot of people feel when they see your name uh, coming up here. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Always love being on with you. You know what, Mr. Marshall Masters, clockwise, certainly, you know, it's always an honor and privilege to be on this end of the interview. Um, You know, I've been listening to you for years, and you've been on the program for years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, always, man, we always knock it out of the ballpark. You know, for me, always do. it's like, a, you know, I told you earlier, I'll bring the beer, you bring the pizza, and it's game on. <laughs> That's right. So, Marshall, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And unfortunately, we do have to sort of do this sort of routine because, you know, we do have lots of newer listeners out there. Well, that's good. True. And it, as it should be. Uh, so you're a happening dude. I started off in this in 1999. And what happened is during the 90s, I was flying back and forth to Russia. I had a travel business. Uh, I was a tour operator specializing in independent tours, custom tours. And so I would fly over in December and come back in January. And that was when I actually did all my, you know, preparations with my operators for my seasons. And so this was year after year after year, all through the 90s. I was actually first time in Russia was six months after the fall of the Soviet Union. Oh, wow. And uh, so I was one of the, you know, the State Department was saying, go to Russia, young man, and start a business. And we all did. We all lost money. But that's another story. Right. And uh, the the thing about was I was flying on Aeroflot, and Aeroflot goes over the pole. So I'm in an Aleutian jet made in 1963. I can see the curvature of the Earth. Okay, sorry, you flat earthers out oh, there. Oh no! And uh, and if you can prove the Soviets were modifying the windows on the Aleutian <laughs> sixty-two, I'd love to know. You know, get me, throw me a bone, shout it out, let me see it. Right. But um, what happened was it was the very first time I saw the uh, North Pole, and. I grew up in Phoenix. Uh, blue ice to me was you went to 7-Eleven, put it in a cup, some blue syrup, bada bing, right? That was blue ice. Right. But when you see it from, you know, 35,000 feet up and this beautiful, vast expanse and it was just, I was stunned and it was beautiful. And then year after year after year, it just was degrading, you know, not highs and lows, ups and downs. It was steady, degrading until on my last trip, the Arctic, you know, and this is always in January, and it looked like the busted windshield of a car. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, something's happening. Call me a tree hugger, but I'm going to believe my lying eyes. <laughs> that put me onto it, and I started Yowza with the help of, I was in, I'm in Mensa, and there was two other Mensons, and they jumped in with me. And that's how we got Yowza off. And we started off with space threats and earth changes. That was our topic areas. We didn't get into Planet X until a couple of years later because 
what led us to Planet X research was we're going, all right, we have atmospheric perturbations on Earth. Is this something that is truly man-made and, re you know, localized, only happening on Earth, and it's not happening anywhere else because all the major bodies in our system have some kind of an atmosphere? Once we started looking at the other planets, it was like, whoa, this is happening everywhere, okay? I mean, to put it in perspective, the worst that human, humans can do is equivalent to one really good volcano fart. And we're piecing this together and we're saying, okay, is the sun going through a natural cycle? Well, there's 300 years of recorded history. We went through that. No, we couldn't determine. It would be nice if we had more. But right. you take what you got. And uh, But it was clear that the sun was not going through a cycle, ergo, it would be responding to an interloper, something that's coming in. And that was what led us to Planet X. Actually, at that time, uh, a lot of people were reporting on it. Hoagland was doing it for a while, and then, uh, you know, he just up and disappeared like methane in the breeze on it. I don't think he even but, talks about uh, that anymore at all. Nancy Leader and, huh? Oh, I was just saying, sorry, I, I was going to say, Hoagland doesn't even talk about Planet X anymore, I think. Oh, no, he, and you know, he did the best report, some of the best reporting on it. And my researchers were going, wow, we want to quote him. And I said, no, he plays both sides of the street. Ooh. And if he can sell out, he yeah. will, and it'll all disappear in a heartbeat. And that's exactly what happened. So he was... Hoagland was a guy that he, he could play every side of the street, and he had his agendas, and it was, any you know, the means to an ends kind of a thing. And and he even attacked me in my Did work he? in 99, and I shut him down pretty hard with the help of a French cosmonaut on the Mir space station. So this was how I got started with Planet X. We were just trying to figure out climate weirding. And when you say we started, you are you referring to the co-founder, the other co-founder? Yes, and uh, Jacob van der Warp was a Dutch physicist, and Janice Manning, who was the editor of the Colburn Bible. So not Steve and Russell. So they were, uh, you know, we were really digging into it and then also there was another fellow by the name of steve russell there he is yes and uh steve did some really brilliant work really everybody was it was just it was a really nice time and then my first article on planet x came out in january 1 of 2001 yes and uh that all of a sudden put me on the map vis-a-vis nancy Leader and Zeta talk talking about there would be a 2003 flyby that would just tear up the planet. And uh, so we were a, we were trying to do science. I'm working with a physicist. You know, we're, we're not talking to aliens. And, and we're, we're looking in, and we're looking in the science and we were publishing an article like, is it Zeta, hyster Zeta hysteria? And we called it Zeta Hysteria, and sure enough, it was Zeta Hysteria. And, uh, but it, it, it really launched Yowza because I had thousands of people coming in, and we were, had so many letters. You know, people were so upset. Do I sell the house, run to the hills? Yeah. These kind of things. It was a, 
wasn't a very nice time. And then uh, Zachariah Sitchin reached out to me and we worked with him on an interview and I worked with him on a couple of other projects. And uh, Sitchin, for me, I mean, <laughs> dot your I's and cross your T's. What an experience this, that must have been. Yeah, it was. Because uh, when it came to being factual, this guy wore belts and suspenders, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was really uh, a tremendous opportunity to meet him. Uh, all the Sitchin books, uh, the, what happened was was Lost Book of Enki came out in this period and so there was a lot of uh gossip being thrown out there gee you know the the smear deep state smears that uh this whole nancy leader thing was fabricated by sitchin to sell his books correct and that was very insulting for sitchin and that's why we did the interview and i will tell you now, I, when we did it, I was so impressed because he, he reached out, called me in the morning. Hello, this is Zachariah Sitchin <laughs> from New York. And, that sounds like uh, him. <laughs> I never forget that. They're like, hello, that's Sunday morning news. And I said, hey, you know, yeah, I'll be glad to do an interview with you. And just so you're, you know, I understand it's important. You want to be represented well. So I'll give you editorial control. I've never done that since. <laughs> Because we finally got to the point where he was editing his own edits for the fourth time. And I just said, that's it. We're going to press. <laughs> and he said, yeah, well, I, I can't blame you. Go ahead. Right. So, uh, But it was quite an experience with Zachariah Sitchin. That's awesome. Of all of his books, all right, read all of the books. But the one that really, for me, nails it is... The Lost Book of Enki. And what I would say to your audience is, if you read The Lost Book of Enki, here's a proposition for you. Think about what we are seeing in our present time. Now, the Anunnaki, you had Anu, the king of Nibiru, and then his sons, Enki and Enlil. Enki is the one who is the geneticist, or was working, I think, with his sister as a geneticist, and we got created... And the whole story is in the Lost Book of Enki. Enlil despised us like laboratory vermin, like rats, and tried to get rid of us. And so uh, one time was with the Great Deluge, and uh, what he was doing was withholding that information so that people would not know to prepare. And uh, Enlil was doing this, and so Enki did an end excuse me, and dispersed us to all the different continents. Um, and, you know, something that backs up that fact, consider it, is that there's a pyramid on every major continent. Every inhabited continent, continent has a pyramid, all right? And no doubt there are pyramids on in Antarctica and the Arctic as well. We just haven't gotten around to them. But... Uh, the other one was nuclear, and that was Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Anunnaki method of doing nuclear war was not to actually bomb the target itself, a city, but what you did was you would go, say, follow the prevailing winds, 
and from about, say, 50 miles away, do a, a high airburst detonation, and then that would, then the prevailing winds would carry that over, and the radiation would blanket the city, killing all life, but there were no blast forces to destroy the city. So just wait for the radiation to settle out and then go back in and plant the flag. And uh, so that goes to the, those are the two stories of Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah and the flood. So it pulls a lot of history together. With that in mind, you have these two brothers, the one that created us and wants us just to live out our natural lives. He's a benign creator. And then the other one just looks at us like vermin, an infestation that needs to be eradicated. So that's always nice. Yeah, you know, it's nice to have friends, right? It is. <laughs> and what, what was it about? Uh, what was it about this story that drew you in uh, so much, Marshall? For those you know that don't know, here's what it is. If you look, I've always been fascinated with it. I always knew it was important to understand this. I read the book several times. But I will give you a proposition and just kind of chew on this yes, out sir. there. Because everything is total. We're in an information war. Okay. Yes, we are. We don't know who's telling what. I mean, it's like it's you don't know what to think. Anymore. That's the crazy part of it all. I mean, most people That's don't know who to believe point. anymore. I mean, you can't blame them either, by the way, since everyone's, That's uh, right. everyone's like lying. That's right. So here's proposition. What if... Klaus Schwab, Biden, et al., those guys McConnell. are from House Enlil, and Trump and the White Hats are from House Enki. And what we're facing today is another collision of two brothers, and we're in the middle of it. Well, I don't dismiss that at all. Yeah, you know, you can't it now. could be. It could be, and it's like an MP... I, you know, and, and if you look at what's going on right now, I mean, House Enlil, I just call them House Enlil, this, the bad guys, the black hats, uh, you know, whatever, whatever label you want to slap on them, I just call them House Enlil. Um, and what House Enki's trying to do is keep us from being zotzed again. And, and it's just a replay of history and it's going on. But for me, the real concern right now is I, not so much what's happening with COVID and the food, because to be honest, the, the forces of darkness have prevailed on that. It's a fait accompli. It's like the torpedoes are in the water and homing true, and there's nothing we can do to get around it. And we're just waiting for the impacts. And that's going to happen this holiday is we're going to start seeing it. And uh, in my article, uh, Planet X and the United States Constitution, if you scroll down about two-thirds of the way into the article, and I'm just going to throw this out as a teaser so that you want to come read the article because it's going to put it all in context. But if you are saying – did somebody see all of this coming in in advance, all right? Well, I just, I have so many wonderful people that send me the greatest juicy tidbits. I mean, I couldn't do this myself. 
No way I couldn't. And there are people out there and they're just researching and they just toss it over the transom for me and I'm going, ooh, that's a keeper. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'll work with that. And uh, so I got one and this was right after I published this article and then someone saw it and said, have you seen this? And I just had to go back in and add it to the article. So if you read it and you didn't see the the Deagle, all right, page, and Deagle.com is, if you're in the military and you want to know who's getting, you know, where's the, who's getting the contracts, who's buying the airplanes, where are they going, what do you got to deal with? This is a very prestigious website, highly credible site that uh, services the uh, defense industry. And what happened was in 2018, they published a, uh, and they were going and saying, based on what we are seeing right now, and this was Deagle.com, based on what we're seeing right now, what are we projecting for the year 2025? And they used 2017 as a baseline. Now, this is a defense industry. And what they were saying in their original articles is that we are seeing what Bill Gates is doing and what his intentions are, and here's how it's going to work out. And I'm just going to give you a couple of numbers. Y'all going to go over to YOWUSA.com, get the rest of this. But in the year 2017, the population of the United States was 327 million. Yeah. I believe so. They forecast the population in 2025 to be 227 million. Hmm. In other words, 100 million loss. Right. The gross domestic product is going to plummet from 2017 of $19 trillion to 2.4. The per capita GDP... In 2017 was 59,274, and in 2025 they are projecting 24,561. And the purchasing power here was the real kicker. In 2017, the purchasing power of 59,500. In 2025, the purchasing power will be 16,374. Jeez. And the reason why they put this information up and what's really important, you can see where they're highlighting, was the gross domestic product, which was a drop from uh, $19 down to $2.4 trillion, all right? However, the military budget is what makes this credible. In 2017, the military budget was $637 billion. This defense reporting and analysis firm says, based on everything they were seeing in 2025, the military budget will plummet from $637 billion to just $32 billion. Amazing. In other words, they're already saying, we're going to become a third world country. Oh, it's happening already. Right. It's starting to and- look like one outside. But this was published in 2018. Yeah, that they they knew what was coming. That's right. Kind of like right. what kind of like with Planet X. That's right. And they knew all of this before it was. And 
what they were saying is that um, there's going to be a potential Here's one of the, just a quote, Dr. Jonathan Quick, chair of the Global Health Council, said the flu virus is the most diabolical, hardest to control, and fastest spreading potential viral killer no to humankind. And that's what they're saying, is that this is what we get hit with. So they were already talking about COVID, all right? Because I don't, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, as the the gold standard, all right, for declaring something novel is you got to have an image of it. And an electron microscope can do that. We see all kinds of great illustrations. Has anyone seen a, micro, a, you know, a micron telescope image of SARS-2? I haven't. Have you? I haven't. Yeah. No, nobody I think, has. I don't think anyone has. Nobody has. All right. So... All of this stuff was, you know, this was all well in the works long before COVID hit. You know, we were all, you know, we come from the church of the last to know, and that's the way of it. So what we have to do, and what I'm saying in my article, Planet X in the United States Constitution, is that, you know, of course, we are going to, you can see, we're going to lose 100 million Americans. Could be even worse. All right? That's a lot of people. That is. Our GDP drops. Life is going to get dicey because that's it. The housing market, the housing market will collapse. You're just going to have all kinds of excess out there. It's, it's going to be a, an oddball time, and as a nation – we got to get our act together or everybody's going to come for a plunder. We're just going to get chopped up, balkanized, tossed out, trashed, rehashed, and mashed. And that's what's going to go. And so what I'm saying in Planet X in the United States Constitution is that we need to take a look at our United States Constitution realistically because it is an amazing document, but it was created in a time of one horsepower technology, okay? And how could they foresee artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence is the killer. Artificial intelligence, and I was in the computer industry for almost 25 years, and I'm telling you, artificial intelligence is death. It's death. And it is going to... It's already, if you are on a social media platform and you feel like you're a third man on a match when you're ready to hit the enter key, all right, maybe it's because you know you've got an AI out there that's hunting for someone like you, and it will just take you down. And next thing you know, you get all this problem, all that problem, boom, bang, it all gets nasty, all right? And so we have artificial intelligence being used for behavior control. But also, what have we been doing for so many years? We've been killing people with drones. For a long time. And so now we have drones that have artificial intelligence because they can operate autonomously. And so you have machines with weapons that can think and kill without remorse. 
That's right. Artificial, Artificial intelligence is, is such a huge risk, by the way. That is right. The United States Constitution, because no fault of our founding fathers, how could they foresee artificial intelligence? It was, you know, unimaginable. That's right. And for that reason, our Constitution leaves us naked, naked, bereft of protection against this. All right. And Stephen Hawkins, the physicist who passed away, brilliant man, brilliant man. And what he said was artificial intelligence is the Worst threat. It is the one thing that can just absolutely eradicate our species. And how will it happen? If they can't kill us enough of us with the plagues, they can't kill enough of us with this, they can't kill enough of us without, what are they going to do is you're going to start seeing drones about the size of a dinner plate, all right, with, you know, a little 22, you know, uh, a, a little gun in there, a twenty-two or something like that. Even that's already smaller. that's already happening right now in certain areas. That's, you know, that's right. Yeah, we're being monitored by drones already. Well, what happens is they put a weapon on the drone, and if you have been vaccinated, the graphene, the self-assembling graphene in your blood, is going to become antennas and like a beacon. Yes. Yeah, and a beacon, and so. You know, people now they 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 walk past the television and the, and the Bluetooth and the television <laughs> is trying to pair with them. That's funny. Okay, but evil. And people, you know, you have this. You now have a digital transmission ID, Ooh, and what yes. will happen is these drones will fly in, and if you have uh, you have a digital ID that's verified as uh, no problem. They'll fly by you. If it's a problem or you don't have one, pow. They'll just zoom right in and pop one in your head and you're gone. And these things will be everywhere like locust. I can understand, Marshall, by the way, I can understand where you're coming from in terms of your fears and worries about these sort of things, including Planet X and what's going on in the world. Um, because, you know, legitimate scientific research definitely has been suppressed in the past and it's being suppressed now by the quote unquote elites. Mm -hmm. It's been going on forever. I mean, a good example of it would be Copernicus and Galileo. That's right. That's right. It has always been going on. And we have right now, I think it's absolutely essential that people understand we have imperatives that we need to. First off, we for the people who've taken the jab. Not good. Half to all of them are going to die. Deagle knew this was coming. Defense industry is saying 100 million Americans. You know, if you can add two and two, you get 17, right? So 100 million Americans are going to die. Now, where is that consistent? Well... About 87 million have refused the jab. Everybody else took the jab, all right? And if you're looking at why is it mRNA vaccines never made it out of the laboratory, never made it out of the laboratory until this pandemic or plandemic, as I call it, is uh, the animals, the test animals always died. And what they found was 
all of the test animals would die in many of the mRNA studies, and the least impactful, only half of the animals would die. These are not great odds. And we're no different. So you have undertakers out there on going on YouTube. They're pulling clots out of people's hearts as a result of these shots. They're the biggest, as big as my forefinger. Huge, huge clots coming out of the aortas. And that's what's killing people. And it's going to really hit because these things have been working and working and creating scar tissue in the bodies and doing all kinds of damage. And what's really upsetting for me is that the people who have been vaccinated are in such awful denial. Very much so, yes. And some of them, though, not all of them, but just a few. There's a few out there. They, they do have buyer's remorse. You know, they do regret getting jabbed. They do, but you know what's happening is they start getting these symptoms, all right? So they get blood clotting or myocarditis or whatever, and they go, you know, I'm perfectly happy. I'm a working, healthy adult. Why am I having this? Is it related to the vaccine that I took? And their doctors are telling them, oh, no, 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 no. It's not related to the vaccine. Oh, no, yes, that's right. Not not even close. And so the problem is that it is – perpetuating the medical industry pump this stuff into us and there's so many doctors out there that do not want to do the responsible thing because whatever they were doing with COVID it was either to cover their own butts or line their pockets or both and now everything is going to hell in a handbasket and they don't want to get left holding the bag so they just keep denying that the vaccine is doing it. And the problem is, as long as we keep doing the denial, there's not going to be public pressure to say, what can we do to mitigate the vaccine injuries? What can we do to stop this spike protein? What can we do to purge these, you know, self-assembling graphene nanites? What can we do to get rid of this or out of our blood or at the very least stop it? And most particularly, stop the shedding so that we don't transfect other people. And I see the folks that are out there talking about solutions. You know, I mean, one that came up earlier was uh, pine tree needle tea Hmm. and uh, these kind of things. And their people are obviously going to natural remedies. They're trying to deal with it. But the problem is the vaccine changes your DNA. You now have one more chromosome pair and it's not going to do you any good. And every cell in your body, every cell in your body has been perverted if you have been injected, period. And we have to stop this hemorrhage. What we need to do is to stop the, mitigate this, get the public educated and focused because the people who are out there trying to solve this problem for everyone else and they're putting up information on the internet aren't they're not getting any traction because they're still branded by the corporate media as hysterical lunatics that don't understand the science that's right i mean a good example would be dr robert malone yeah malone is a hero And it is just awful to see what they're doing to him. Doctors like him. Yeah. I've been working, you know, uh, one of the folks that, you know, 
gives me information is a doc who started treating COVID patients in 2020. So he's seen and he's seen the aftermath. He's well, it's she, and or she's she seen yes. the aftermath. But here was the thing that was hard for her. She was one of the first docs that went off protocol. She Ooh. wasn't doing the Fauci death dance. The heretic. The heretic. And, uh, you know, that the nation is using a protocol that lines his pocket. And this is a guy that's never, you know, never treated one patient. And his track record is somewhere between bad to suck. Yes. All right. <laughs> and what she was doing was she was going off protocol and treating her patients. Now, not one of her patients ever died. Ever, All of her patients had full recoveries because she treated early instead of treating late. And she used like ivermectin and some of these alternatives. Unlike the hospitals that just hooked Unlike you up. Unlike the hospitals. Yes. But she was in a large clinic. The clinic was absolutely furious with her. But they, at the time, they couldn't fire her because she was the only doctor that wasn't losing patients. I see. All the other doctors were doing what the hospital wanted to do, and folks were dying left and right, okay, because the Fauci death protocol. And they're all, okay, let's do the Fauci death protocol. And that's what they're doing. And she wouldn't do it. And they couldn't fire her for incompetence because – how are they going to defend their own doctors following the doubt, you know, a death protocol yeah. when she's getting good results? So what they did was they made life hell for, her. and uh, you know, uh, you know, the old thing: pay you for forty-hour work and work you for seventy, right? Yeah. That kind of nonsense. Uh, and she endured it. She put up with it because she was saving lives, and she just took the hit. And she kept treating people and saving people's lives until the Supreme Court, in its wisdom, said she had to take the jab. Oh, no. That was one of the, you know, it's like the courts. Yes, the government has a right to mandate this. And, and the, you know, these are judges. They don't know shit from Shinola about the biology. And they're condemning people to death with these decisions. That's right. It, it's it's um, America was hit with a huge psyop, in my opinion. This is a psychological ploy to yeah. get to force you to do something that you know they know it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So my, she just that was it. She hung up the shingle and retired. The smart, good and on her. It's, and it's really smart. And what she's telling me, and what we're talking about right now, she says this winter. It's really going to start hitting because it's cold and flu season. People, you know, the people out there that are going, oh, they're all just hysterical conspiracy idiots and they don't know what they're doing because I was Rachel Maddow told me so. All right. And they're doing this insane stupidity. And so they are squandering their opportunities to start getting proactive and dealing with it now. I think a solution will come. That's. I don't believe these people, nobody is saying that these people are ever going to be returned back to original condition, that all of this scarring and all this damage done to their organs, there's no way to reverse that. No way. And by the way, Marshall, really- at least really, stop the damage. By the way, Marshall, re huh? really quickly here, Marshall, do you, do you know anyone in your family who has been vaccinated? No. Not, I don't know of anyone, but I don't talk to them because they all think I'm a Planet X wacko. Oh, no. But, you know, 
they were the black sheep of the family. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I understand what that's like. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, and uh, it's, I just, it's so frustrating to see them losing the opportunity. But where I think if there's a solution that's going to come from this, it's going to be out of Israel. It's going to be out of a major technology like, you know, a Taiwan or an Israel, something like that. It's sure not going to come out of the U.S., all right? Yeah. I mean, we are so, so corrupted, so corrupted. There's nobody. I mean, it's like, hello, anybody honest home, you know, leave the lights on. But in Israel, they've got a crisis brewing because they, like, jab their, you know, I mean, everybody's gotten four jabs. That's right. Okay. Total boosters. Everyone's boosted up over there. And they're going to wake up to the fact that right now, Big Pharma is going to fulfill Adolf Hitler's wish of killing Jews. Of killing the Jews, And they're they're going to kill. The pharma is going to kill more Jews in Israel than Hitler ever could dream of killing in the Holocaust. They're going to understand. They're going to see this. It's going to come on. You know, they're following it, and they're going to go, we got led down the path. We better bail our butts out of this, or we're going to wind up with a country that's going to get overtaken. And so many Jews in Israel are going to die that just the Arabs are going to be— the Arabs didn't take the vaccines in the Palestinian areas. They didn't bother with it, and they're doing just fine. Yeah, it's funny how that okay. works out, right? Huh? I said, it's funny how that works out. The countries yeah. with the least vaccinated yeah. are the, the ones with the least worries. Yeah, so Israel is going to be under the gun to save their lives and uh, their survivors and their technologists. So if we're going to see a breakthrough, I could see it coming from there. Coming from there, This is going to play on. We're going to have, you know, the nation's going to be set back. But we have, and, and so we're sitting here in the middle of the torpedoes hitting. The torpedoes were launched years ago. And they're finally hitting, all right? Well, this part of the war is fait accompli, period. It's like, you know, December 7th, 1941 happened, fait accompli, like it or lump it. And now it's a whole new ball game. And so the problem we have now is the globalists and the communists and everybody that wants to control, they are going to use artificial intelligence to do it. And it is going to be deadly. And we have to be able to stop this. And that is the reason why I'm saying our Constitution left us butt-ass naked to this threat. And for no fault of the founders, who knew about this stuff? But we're still butt-ass naked. There's nothing to defend us from this technology. Nothing. And it is the most dangerous technology that has ever been created in the history of our species. And it could very well be the end of our species. So we have to deal with that. And then the third thing that we have to deal with is we need the human genome has been corrupted. Everyone who has been vaccinated went from 23 to 24. All right. And there's no way to turn the clock back. The only hope that we have is that they can arrest it, stop it where it is. And if they can do that, these people who have been vaccinated can hope to live longer than the three to five years that they're being projected right now to have. 
Will they have a full life as they had before that they could make it into their 70s or something? Doubt it. Let's hope. Well, you can hope, but I doubt it because there's too much body done to the body. There's a lot of damage to the lungs and the heart. This is true. Everything, every major organ, sex organs, all of that. So what's really important right now is that we have to focus on the unvaccinated, most particularly the alpha generation. These are the kids that were born from the year 2000 on. If humanity is going to prevail, if we are going to survive, we have got to start thinking about how do we protect our genome so that we remain as God made us to be? How do we keep our authenticity? And the way we do that, you know, the concept in, with my book, Win-Win Survival Handbook, it's about building communities. When I wrote the book, this was before COVID, and I was thinking about Planet X, but now the win-win communities are perfect for this because it's off-grid. The strategy is find a nice, quiet place of the world, park 20 to 25 families there, they go to ground and wait for history to mostly pass them by. And so what we need are creating these communities where the nucleus of the community are going to be our most precious, our most precious, our alphas, all right? And right now, you know, the military, that's what they're recruiting, our alphas, because uh, the average enlistee is 19.3 years old. So here we're in 2022. So the alphas are the ones that are filling the ranks, except the alphas aren't stepping up. Recruitment is down 60%. Only 40% of the country feels that we have a war-winning military. That I, I mean, didn't think know. about it. Yeah, when was the last time crazy. you saw a victory parade? That's it was true. after the first Gulf War. Yeah, you're right about that. What do we see now every year? We see the 9-11 people falling out, you know, jumping out of the windows. So we don't see victories parades. We see victims jumping out of windows. That's what, that's what this generation has grown up with, you know. That I mean, was um, 21 years ago, I think, right? 9-11. Yeah. Holy yeah. hell. And that's crazy. So, um, the alphas, you know, it's like you're the last one to show up for the party and they hand you the check. <laughs> and, uh, How thoughtful. It's... <laughs> They got it, you know. They got the crap into the stick, and I feel sorry for these kids. I don't feel sorry for my generation. All right, I'm a boomer, and I'm one of the three percent of boomers that said, "Screw your jab, I'm not taking the poison." Which was ninety-seven percent of my generation took the jab, which means that the millennials are going to come into massive windfalls because their parents are going to start plotting left and right, parents and grandparents. They're going to be dying from the vaccines that they took. And my generation is going to get liquidated. And to my generation, all I can say is the universe has just one law of survival for ascension species. Let me repeat that. The universe has only one law of survival for ascension species. And that is... If you're stupid, you deserve to die. I'm sorry to say it, but that's the truth. We have to be hard now. We have to look at the reality of things. And so 
We need to clean up this present mess. We need to get this election scandal fixed so that we can be we the people once again. Because the folks that are fixing the elections want to see 90% of us dead or more. The elites, yes. The elites. We are the vermin. So we need to we need to win this battle. This battle is engaged. But we also have to remember we have two other battles. We have to pre preserve the human genome, and we have to stop artificial intelligence from killing our species off. And those are the two, that's the double-barreled shotgun of death for humanity. Because right now, we're on a one-way ticket to go live with the dinosaurs. It seems like that, yes. Yeah. And uh, so what we have to do is we have to get together. And you get these communities, what you do is you're, these communities are in the core of the community are going to be the alphas, young men, young women who have not been vaccinated because they need to start making babies. They need to make families, make babies. And it's not like our society right now as a wedding photographer put myself through school. And I saw how our society, after we went through all these social experiments of Roe, the pill, women's liberation, blah, blah, blah. And before that, only 10% of marriages failed. Now, it's only, I think, only, what is it, maybe 10% survive. That's right. It's uh, because we have undermined the society's support for young families. It's literally parasitic because you have the wedding industry that goes, you're going to be king and queen for a day, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 dress, this and that and everything. And your parents are going to go nearly into bankruptcy to put on a big shindig for you. They bleed the families like crazy. you know. And then what happens? Once they pass through that industry, they pass into the next industry, the divorce industry. That's right. And so you go from the blood-sucking wedding industry to the blood-sucking divorce industry. You, you and never win. have, you know, yes. there's no kids. I will tell you, when I was a boy going to school, mind you, when I was in elementary school, I was in fourth grade when President Kennedy was shot. I, I saw a very different America from now. In my grade school, there were 300 students. Of the 300 students, only Five students came from single-parent households. Only five. That's of crazy. And yeah. of the five, my brother and I were two. Wow. And I was pitied. Were we you? We were pitied. They felt sorry for you? Yes. Oh, no. Because most of those kids would go home and mom would have something baked up for them. Life was different, a different pace. It was about loyalty and commitment responsibility. It was a different time. You know, I, I feel so sorry for the young generations. I grew up, I remember, you know, Alan Shepard getting in the launch, his suborbital launch. And I remember looking at that rocket going, man, I wouldn't get in that. It looked like they got a whole bunch of water heaters out of the junkyard <laughs> and stacked them up and said, here, you're going to, and it's like, you know, now NASA has these huge cranes and gantries and all this stuff. It looked like, you know, something out of a homebrew club. 
That's right. <laughs> that I mean, a, the whole thing, it was like, whoa, you're going to sit on that? Good luck. I mean, and, it's still uh, alarming to me, though. I mean, even with today's technology, even um, thinking about it now, I mean, you're strapping yourself onto a rocket and exploding into the sky. I mean, who the hell wants to do that? That's crazy. Yeah. Holy but hell. But they wanted to do it. They, well, yeah, and they everybody did. was along for the ride. And so I was watching... I was watching Americans going up into space as I was growing up as a young boy. And all the alphas have seen are Americans jumping out of windows and falling to their death. That's how different. It's a very different time. And I got to ask you, Marshall, how do you think history will remember this window of time? That's what I wonder. A terrible sickness of the mind. A terrible sickness of the mind. The last because 10 years have lost been hell. Critical thinking. It's crazy. We have completely lost critical thinking. I'm going to tell you that the America I grew up in, no way could they have pulled a COVID on those people. No way. We were much better, much smarter. People would take the daily paper. On Sundays, many of them, if you didn't go to church, they'd go to a local newsstand and get, you know, one of the big papers out of New York, Chicago, or something like that, and read that as well. Everybody would get one or two uh, news magazines, and we used libraries a lot. And because daytime television, the programming was so freaking awful, it just totally sucked. <laughs> Yes. You know, it forced us to have time to contemplate. <laughs> and there is no way I can tell you if they tried doing what they did back then, the Vietnam War protests would have been chump change compared to that. The whole nation would have gone berserk. They would have just burned everything down. We would have gone crazy. Absolutely batshit crazy. Because we would have seen through it. We were much better critical thinkers back then. Much better critical thinkers. But that was when our society had a strong fabric. And it was built around families. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's Not designed anymore. to destroy families. We've been mind controlled by that little box in your living That's room. That's right. All you have to have when you're... And it's like they're saying, well, parents aren't parents anymore. They're just trying to be friends to their kids. Of course they're trying to be friends. If the kid says to the teacher, mommy, spanked me, boom, mommy's doing hard time. And guess who's in child, you know, who's in, you know, family services going to pick them up and throw them in uh, in an orphanage or whatever they're going to do. Yeah, now the teachers are. families. And so, yeah, yeah, I can see why parents are, I mean, they go to a school meeting now and they got to worry about the FBI investigating them because they don't like what their children are being taught. Unthinkable. Well, now teachers are talking to your kids about their sexual orientation, though, now. Like, that's really yeah. important now. Yeah, this is so <laughs> sick. It's it's pretty disgusting, a you know, full-grown adult uh, talking to your child about their sex life. Yeah, we've gone from dancing bears to dancing faggots. Pretty much. Jeez. It's pretty ridiculous, Marshall. This is sick. This is sick. I agree. It's crazy. And for the gay community, once once all of this Democrat craziness is brought to a screeching halt, and it will be. I hope so. Okay. It's not going to be good for the gay community. There's going to be backlash on this. 
because they went for the kids and that has got to hurt. Yeah. You know, I watched it and it was, and it was so strange to me because in my time, boy, oh boy, if you were gay, you didn't want anybody to know it. You didn't want to come out of the closet. Things, you know, it could be, you know, a little stern. And Holly, there were places where you were tolerated, Hollywood and San Francisco and those areas. The rest of the country, no. All right. And now there were so many advances and uh, gays could marry. And Americans accepted that. And Americans went from being hard on them and saying, okay, live and let live. And the country really made great strides in changing how it dealt with the gay population. And what's happened now is the gay population, instead of saying, thank you, we'll just be like everyone else, you've got, you know, now they're hauling dancing faggots into the classroom. In front of your kids, yes. That's right. They, they take them on field trips to uh, strip clubs now, from what I read. That's right. And there are a lot of gays that are very opposed to this. Oh, there are. Trust me. Yeah, there's plenty of gay very, listeners to the show. They're shocked. Yeah. They're dismayed. And they know this is going to. It's too much. This is going to hit them. And so we're going to see a huge rollback. Things are going to change. They're going to change once we go. And there's no way it's not going to change. Because if you look at all of the people that took the vaccine, First off, the boomer generation, we're called, for years we were called the rat in the snake, in the snake, statistically. You know, a snake swallows a big rat, okay? And then it swallows it, and you can see that bulge moving through the snake as it's being digested, right? Right. And so we were referred to by statisticians in my time when I was a young man as the rat and the snake. Well, right now, the rat is being fully digested. So of the 100 million, my generation is going to take the hardest hit, and for that, I am grateful. Much better ours than the millennials and the alphas. Much better our generation. I don't wish anything bad for anyone, but if someone's got to fall on their sword for this insanity, let it be my generation, because we were the dumbasses that allowed this to happen. Understood. And Marshall, what do you make of uh, monkeypox now? I'm not gay. That's it. Well, now they're why saying. Am I, why am I worried about it? Well, now they're you know? now they're claiming you don't have to be gay to contract it. Now it's you know animals and so forth, and you could get it by touching something. Oh, who knows? Now the next they'll say it's a result of male pregnancy. Yeah, well, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> You it's know, like, who do you believe I mean, it's now? It's like everything's upside down. How is it that, you know, a vagina is an inside-out penis these days? I mean, it's like we're so confused. And How did that even – how did we even get to this point is what I'm wondering in, in our history's time, in this timeline that we're in. It's like what happened? <laughs> it's a, Essentially, it's insane, um, well, everything that's was, going on. My generation – Started off with peace, love, dope, you know. All the good have a stuff, good yeah. time, transparency, government we can believe in and all of that. And then we graduated college and everybody said, hey, screw you. I got mine. You get yours. And we went 
total acquisition and wealth. And that was it. We went from having world peace to a three-bedroom ranch house split level. All right? And that's what happened with my generation is we just simply, you know, we're in it for the dollars. And then we just, well, if all we're, we want to be busy making money, we don't have to be loyal, all right, to anyone or anything. We're just loyal to our bank accounts. So we'll let someone else run it. And that's what happened. See, when I was a kid in my school, remember, I said 300 students, only five from single family homes. I remember the parent teacher meetings. They were impressive. The principal and the teachers were there. We didn't have boards and officials and bureaucrats. It was the principal and it was the teachers, the parent teacher association. And our principal was in service to the parents. And they were, the parents would turn out, they would fill, they would use the whole, they'd use the cafeteria. It was the largest room they had in the school. And it was standing room only. We were just packed. The parents were everywhere. They all turned out. And everybody decided what the kids were going to learn. And we were all engaged. And it was amazing. It was an amazing thing. We got, when we went to school in the morning, we said a prayer and we made the Pledge of Allegiance. And I will tell you, standing out in a courtyard with 300 kids reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, that was powerful. That was powerful. It gave us so much belief in our country. So much belief. So it was like a pre-9-11 thing for you guys. Because remember, oh. after 9-11, everybody was um, sort of unified. Well, we were still, you know, it was Harry meant Sally, and we were having a good time. You know, we went over, kicked uh, Saddam Hussein's butt, and for the better part of a decade, we could have, you know, have you ever noticed that if you want to have a movie to watch something enjoyable, you got to go find something from the 90s? Well, absolutely. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was that. And after 9-11, okay, that's when everything went dark. And on 9-11, I knew what had happened. I knew because I was like everyone else. I'm watching television all day long. Everyone's glued to the screen. That's everyone right. remembers where they were that day that was around back then. And... After the smoke cleared and they started going in after the towers had collapsed and they started moving in and I was able to, there was a crew broadcasting live following the firefighters in and then I saw something that completely just dropped me on my head. That building used beams in the center of the building around the elevators. That was the main load bearing and the walls did some load bearing but principally, that was the load-bearing area. And these I-beams were, uh, they must have been like eight foot by six foot or something. They were huge, huge. And I'm seeing this one I-beam poking up. Now, around it, everything's else flat. But there's this one I-beam from an elevator area, and it's poking straight up. And it's sliced at a pretty perfect 45-degree angle. All right. That's thermite. I saw it. I would have been in the military. And I'm going, crap, that was they wrapped thermite around that thing. And so I knew immediately that it was a false flag that day. I didn't have to wait for anything else. 
How long you think that video stayed around? Baby, that was sponged. Bing, bing, real quick. Very quick. Yeah. Real quick. I got in trouble so, that morning at school for uh, even implying that our government might be uh, behind this attack. Um, I got kicked out. Yeah, and, you know, we, look, people, the whole thing about communism, socialism, it's nanny state. And for the people, it's like, oh, I don't have to be responsible for myself. I have a nanny state. They're going to do everything for me. I love the nanny state. The nanny state loves me. They are not going to do anything nasty. And I mean, it was like, we ceased. And I think during the 90s is when uh, the trend away from critical thinking started because it was with the advent of the internet and it came on and we were, and that's it. We stopped getting magazines and newspapers for like the state of, you know, uh, states that did a lot of paper. Right. Like Maine. Oh my gosh. The internet was horrible. They shut down huge mills one after another, you know, devastating all kinds of little towns all around the state. And uh, it was terrible financial hardship um, because nobody was getting newspapers and magazines. We all transitioned away from that. And in the 90s, while we're seeing Harry Met Sally and all of this stuff, we're seeing, oh, this newspaper closed, this one, you know, this magazine shut down. And nobody's paying attention. And nobody's paying attention to the loss of diversity of thought. And the, the loss of third, you know, when in the 1980s I was with uh, CNN and I was a science feature producer. Now, when I watch CNN today, it's like watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, get up at four o'clock in the morning, get the points. Everyone comes out of the pods and they start smearing and sliming everyone. And they all sound the same, you know, you know, and I look at that and I'm going, what the hell is this? Because when I was at CNN, it was a lean, mean news machine. That's yeah, a different time when you were there, yeah. But it had to be a lean, mean news machine because we were competing with 50 other major media outlets. We, you know, CNN had to compete with WGN and all of the, and you know, you had these huge regional market guys, Chicago, Washington, New York, they had correspondents around the world. They had such a large audience, they could afford that. All of that was shut down by the Democrats. Not by the, excuse me, not by the Democrats. It was the Republicans, starting with the Bush. That's right. Okay. And what they did was all of the anti-concentration laws that had given us a wonderful and vibrant media were removed by Republican administrations so that you could hear conservative talk hosts like Sean Hannity all across the country. You're a truck driver, that's it. You just tune in, run radio station after another, and you can follow, you know, you can follow your talk guy. And that was what they wanted to do. They wanted to circumvent the media and put that out. And all it did was it, we had 50 major media outlets compressed to five. By the way, do you still listen to uh, Sean Hannity? Once in a blue moon, Once in a while. I can't find anything else. He's, I, he, he's kept know, clean. To me just as, well, yeah, I, I, just, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying, you know, uh, and, and, well, 
since we're speaking about Sean Hannity, you know, he's kept, he's kept pretty clean, I would say. Uh, unlike, you know, like a Tucker Carlson, which is, you know, he's very popular, but, you know, he also had that relationship with Hunter Biden, you know, lots of email exchanges, thanked Hunter for getting his kid into college, you know, that sort of deal. That's a little, it's you know, all incestuous. Yeah. I don't, you know, the thing about Fox is where was, you know, I have the same beast with Fox that other people, where the hell were they when the election was being stolen? Where the hell were they? They were avoiding lawsuits. Yeah, they were running scared. And, you know, when uh, Newt Gingrich came on and he started talking about Soros, he was censored right there live on the air by by a Fox News reporter. All right. And when I saw that, I knew that was it. Fox was corrupt. They've been well. corrupted. So, yeah. I, you know, they say, well, with Fox, the... The daily reporting is for the left and the editorial is for the right. And there's only one person at Fox that I actually will follow and I enjoy her work, Maria Bartomolo. All right. And I like Maria because she reminds me of the people that I used to work with at CNN. That was that kind of discipline, that kind of gum soul reporting. And because she's getting the story. Now, the other, the conservative tacos guys, they're just whatever the, you know, topic du jour today, and they're going off, and they're not, they're bring, they're opining, they're bringing opinion. And they're making a killing, by the way. That's right. And, you know, the whole thing about it is when, when I was in the news business, opining was, you just, what they're doing now when I was with CNN, you'd have been kicking rocks down the road. Yeah, you had a much higher standard. You so fast and make your head spin. You you had a much higher journalistic uh, standard back then. Yeah, it set the standard. It set the standard, and it was and it was exciting. I mean, for me, it was like you know, at that time, uh, it was young, it was fledgling, and it was, but wow. Going into the newsroom and seeing how those people were working, they weren't reading 4 a.m. transcripts. They were digging for stories, digging hard. Yeah. All right. Because they had to compete. They had to compete with a whole bunch of other media outlets. There's zero competition. Um, you know, today, I will tell you personally, I subscribe to Epoch Times and OAN Life. And that pretty much covers it for me. Anything else, you know, I'll go in and I'll check it out. And, and there's, uh, you know, and there's other good networks. They're really good. But principally, I spend a lot of my time on OAN on that because the reporting is so good. The quality of the reporting is so good. And they're new, so they, they have to compete. They have to compete. And what I like about them is that they, they're, the, the programming is intelligence. It's not, you know, some guy sitting behind a microphone, well, this is crap and that's bullshit and I don't like this and they're doing that. It's like, excuse me, can I get some news, news I can use here, please? I hear you. So, so your head you must know, be that's spinning. The thing. With Sean, as um, you're listening and it's like, he's just, you know, he's got an audience, he's playing to his audience and that's it. Yeah, I, I understand. But it's what not you mean. interesting. I want something I can sink my teeth into. You want something more tangible, and and Marshall, yeah. I totally get it. Your head must be spinning when you see these um, reports on on TV. 
I've gone through spinning. I think I'm finally. <laughs> You're on the ground. <laughs> I'm spin adjusted. You're on the floor. You're on the floor now. I'm on the floor. Oh, man. I'm on the floor. I it feel your so pain, sad. though. I feel your pain, though, now. I mean, I, I we've had these, these conversations about you being, uh, you know, being a fellow employee, but, you know, hearing you now and I, I'm fully understanding what it must be like for you, you know, having skin in the game, being in there. Um, and when things were competitive and interesting and more cutthroat, uh, to see these, like, uh, like, let's say the cast of the five on Fox, where it's just these people saying what they like and don't like, and that's about it. Um, you probably watch that and you're like, ugh, what is this crap? I'll tell you, I'm going to give you a prediction right now. Okay. I'm going to give you a prediction. Go ahead. And if you want to lay money against it, I'll give you odds two to one. Okay. Yep. Up for that? I'm up for Here's, it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, place your bet first. <laughs> um, well, let's start low. Let's start low. $45. $45. We'll go okay, low. We'll go that's low. Good. All right. Here it is. Trump's votes are going to be returned to him, but the deep state will survive it. This vaccine plague is going to become a huge scandal. People are going to have to wake up and face the fact of what's happening. There is going to be public outrage and a demand for justice. But even with all of that, the, the globalists, the cabal, they're still going to be holding on by a thread, by the skin of their teeth, but they're still going to be able to hold on to power because they're so deep and so wide. But what takes them down? Human trafficking, pedophilia, and all of that. Crimes against humanity. When that breaks out, it's game over. And after after that, what it's going to be is we're going to have to pick up the pieces and figure out where we go from there. And when we do, do, do that, when we do pick up the pieces, I hope to God we realize that what is absolutely paramount after we have defeated them is that we have to ensure the authenticity of the human genome and we have to find, if it's if we need a whole new constitution to do it, we have got to stop AI before AI kills us. And I'm telling you this as somebody who was in the computer industry, and I worked in defense as well. Well, Marshall, I really hope that this country wakes up soon and that they figure out that this was a big global science experiment. Just like the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment. Well, they're going to figure it out. And they're, and you know why they're going to figure it out? Because this is no longer, vaccine injuries is no longer going to be bandied about and a, and a matter of radio interviews like this. It's going to be quiet graveside conversations. Oh, my. As we put our loved ones into the ground. Poof. And when people start talking about this at the graveyards, as they watch the caskets getting lowered, that will be the only thing that can pierce the denial. Death is irrefutable. And when you put somebody in the ground, it reminds you of your own mortality. That's right. And so that is my prediction. Once this becomes a graveside conversation, that's the end of it for the globalists. Game over. Well, Marshall, you... 45 is the bet. 
Well, Marshall, you have left us with lots of um, questions here, lots of thoughts of nuclear war, which seems eminent now. And, of course, if that doesn't happen, we also have the flyby, the Planet X flyby, which is going to, you know, we're going to have this electrical magnetic storms and the Earth is going to stop rotating. You know, all kinds of things are going to start happening. Um, So there's disaster in every corner. Yeah, there's but the three most powerful words, we the people. If the nation comes together and we realize what's happened and we put aside, we understand politically it's a uniparty system and it's they're all just, there's so much corruption. We need to just wholesale get rid of entire three-letter agencies. Amen to that. And that's going to happen. There's going to there's going to be and and I talk about it in my article. So I'm asking your listeners out there come to yowusa.com and read my latest article, Planet X in the United States Constitution. And what I will tell you is, I take Q head on, and I reveal an aspect of Q people need to know. Just remember, anyone who's ever tried to go away and uh, take out the CIA and the FBI, all of them have been whacked or removed. Anyone who wants to do that sort of thing. So keep that in mind, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, Mr. Marshall Masters, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the program. I know you have a few other things to do today. So I want to let you out here a little early so you can go and uh, do all that sort of thing, That the conference that you're going to do. Yeah. So, you know. Work, 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 man. But I've really enjoyed it because you just let me, you just let me get it off my chest, and I really thank you for that. Uh, sometimes that's what's needed, Marshall. Um, just the stream of consciousness, um, without having everything to be so scripted, like uh, the, that that little box in front of your tea, uh, well, in your living room, rather. That's it. That's it. Don't give up hope for the future. Don't give up hope for the future. Tough times, we're going to go through tough times, but we got to wake up to reality. Always remember the three ways, the three things that you have to do to survive. It's not about what's in your backpack, it's what's in your head. You got to, one, assess your situation accurately, two, formulate a plan, and three, take action on that plan, even if you know it may not be your best optimal plan. And if we'll do those three simple things, we will prevail. Very nice. Believe it. Very nice. And if anybody out there wants any more information about what we were just talking about here in this interview, please go to yowusa.com for more information. Once again, Marshall, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And we'll do it again on the other side, my friend. Absolutely. Always. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Mr. Marshall Masters. And my God, what an interview that was. You know, I'm kind of at a loss loss for words on that one. This was another excellent show. And I hope all of you appreciate Marshall's hard work and determination throughout all the years of uh, scrutiny that he's faced. And, you know, we appreciate Marshall very much. And we hope you check out his work at yowusa.com. Those of you out there on Patreon, those on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, what have you, those on YouTube. I want to thank all of you very much for hanging out with us here tonight. We will do it again on the other side. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, mahalo.